All right, we are live on air, live stream, Pixel Fondue Roundtable, a March edition. We have Yazan and Pascal and Ed and Adam and I think Wes McDermott, new Pixel Fondue contributor, also from Algorithmic. Is it Algorithmic or Allegorithmic? It's kind of spelled Allegorithmic. It's not, algorithmic. A, it's not an algorithm, is it? It's an algorithm. <laughs> All right. Yeah, are they anyway, going for allegory? Is that what that's about? I don't even know what the... I always thought algorithm. Anyway, hopefully Wes will show up here in a bit. Uh, first things first, to see, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the survey results from the first Pixel Fondue um, newsletter. So thanks a lot for sending those in. That gives us some direction. I think that was really useful. And then we'll talk about uh, any other sort of odds and ends we have. I do want to talk a little bit about Audis, uh subscription today, even though, you know, we're primarily Moto users here, but a lot of people like I have a Maya license or a Creative Suite license as well. I'm sure a lot of us um, watching do as well. And I think it's relevant to the larger picture because Autodesk is our industry leader. They sort of set the uh, set the table for everybody else. So we'll see where that goes. Um, first off, I want to introduce Pascal Nor Norquit Norquet. No, 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 no K, no K. It's like N O, like no K. Just no K, like okay, but no K. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, Pascal? Okay, but okay. Just say Pascal. <laughs> okay, like okay. All right, just say Pascal. We'll just go with Pascal. Live from New York, we've got Pascal. So Pascal um, contacted me, I think, over email. Is that when you how you contacted me? I think he reached out to me and wanted to be a contributor. And he actually put together a couple of sample videos that were, were great. And we're like, you know, I was thinking at the time that, okay, we've got a bunch of moto stuff. And you know, William Bond puts up a new moto thing every day. And so why don't we branch out into some pipeline software? And, and Pascal knows a lot of this stuff. After Effects as well, but especially Marvel's Designer, I've always been fascinated with. But I just I don't have it. I don't know how to use it. But it, it seems like a fascinating program. Pascal had uh, some knowledge in there. And he started putting out Marvel's Designer videos, which have been some of the most watched videos on Pixel Fondue. So Pascal, you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your history, and how you got into this stuff, this business? Sure. Uh, well, I started out, I went to art school, started out as a storyboard artist, and then I became an art director in an ad agency in Paris. Then I moved to the States and I was in advertising there for a while, like in Chicago first and then in LA. Did some directing there also, did shot some commercials, and then we moved back to, I got married there, so we um, moved back to Paris. And uh, when I went back to advertising for a while and then left again to uh, become a freelancer, I went back to storyboarding. And then through storyboarding, I got interested in 3D, first through Poser, because I saw a demo of it at uh, some show. I, can't think, I think it was the last Mac Expo in Paris. And I thought it was a cool tool to uh, help me storyboard. Then I already got into 3D, and then someone introduced me to Modo. It was 302 at the time. And I got it, and I already got into 3D. So I became actually uh, an illustrator. I did a lot of 3D illustrations. And then the past five years, I got more and more into animation, uh, 3D animation. And also, uh, I joined, I sort of co-created uh, an animatic studio called Glinglang in Paris. It's like a small boutique thing where we do a lot of previs things, animatics for other agencies. And that's when I really got into After Effects. And uh, I really love After Effects. Um, it's 
just a moment. My favorite uh, softwares are After Effects, Modo, and Marvelous Designer. And um, how long have you been using Marvelous? But I started using it right at the beginning, actually, from a, a tweet from Yazan when it, they just came out. And when when they came out, they, they didn't have. Uh, I think they were just trying to get some designers. I mean, some real designers. They didn't have any idea what they had in their hands. Uh, so I got the first license for like ninety dollars, I think. Hey, Yazan, you you still you worked with them early, correct? I mean, were they? The, their professional quote is their professional software, right? And they yeah, tried well, to do something. As far as I, I recall, this has been a while, but I, I recall, I think they tried initially with Marvelous to go after the design market, and uh, they were having troubles. I think the industry at that point was just not ready for digital simulation of fabric. Uh, fashion, the fashion industry still is, in my opinion, uh, very, uh, you know, at the, at the starting point of that, if, if even there. But they started getting a lot of traction um, with like people like Pascal who have more of enter the entertainment slash games uh, world. Uh, I think um, the game, especially the game design industry, really liked them for the character um, attire and things like that. And that's where they took off unexpectedly. Um, I think after that, they then I think they not hundred percent sure, but I think that that's when they split the whole model designer. Kind of geared towards entertainment and games folk, and then uh, Clo 3D, which is similar to Marvel Designer. I think it's about one step, like one generation ahead of it, and it supports patterns, so more of the um, design aspect of things. And I and I think that's that's where it, that's how how it happened. I Super recall, impressive I recall stuff. I mean, I've been blown away by it. Um, and even even for me, coming from from the design world, there's never been a, a 3D tool for that kind of stuff, and um, when I first saw Marvelous, I didn't see when they first started trying to market it to, to designers. When I saw Marvelous, I was like, "Wow, games people get all the cool stuff. Why, why, why can't uh, why can't we have this stuff in design?" Because I could have used this so many times years ago. Um, but you know, I guess it, it just shows that it goes both ways. I mean, it, um, but now when when I've seen it used, uh, even in design, it's it's unbelievable the things you can do uh, in terms of like it's one thing to design patterns. Uh, in sort of free space, but what they let you do is really design around an object, which is pretty unbelievable. So if you're making, you know, dog sweaters, then that's that's like the pre premier software for designing dog sweaters. <laughs> it is the only, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one out there, yeah, it turns out. No, it's, so. I, I agree with you, and I think uh, just testament to kind of how, uh, how solid it is. You know, obviously, you know, software is software. There's always going to be some crashing or something unexpected happening, but um, just recently, we just wrapped up a project using Clo, um, and we need additional hands on deck at the company. And we, you know, I have a uh, Renata who, who who's actually from an architectural background, and she uses more of uh, the Keyshot um, application for us, so she does some of the uh, rendering. And we needed her to kind of jump on board just to do some layouts of the patterns. We thought somebody could just prep the files. Um, I thought, hey, could you? Take a look at the software, see if you can get up to speed, and see if you, we just need somebody to put patterns in the right placement before we start the simulation. Over the weekend, she was doing the initial simulations uh, for us. Like it was just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that you know she's a very bright person, um, but the fact that it's you're able to do that within a weekend uh, speaks a lot to the software, I think. Which I mean, you know, somebody spent a good amount of time working out a lot of the kinks for some for the user to be able to do that within that timeline. 
Yeah, I think it's a that's an interesting story that it took off in games, and that's a good lesson. Like, don't overlook the games people. It probably only took a dozen or so indie designers or whatever to look at the software and say, "Holy crap, I could use this." Yeah. Put out some cool art, I and mean, that's how ZBrush got going, right? Yeah. You started to what, see I mean, art pop up that you'd never seen before. And you're yeah. like, what problem? Well, they solve they solve the very difficult problem, right? Fabric simulation and fabric modeling. I mean, you, I don't know if you recall, but I used to see some like back in the day, like Lightwave modelers and 3D Max modelers modeling fabric yeah. to an yeah. insanity level. Crazy. And, and you had to understand how fabric behaves, how different fabric behaves, how the model behaves how the movement is affecting your fabric and for that you must have had like an just a very interesting unicorn unicorn of a person for them to be able to do all of that in, in a modeling package and I think when the games people are you know doing uh, concept design for the characters and what they're wearing and not only what they're wearing but sometimes you're doing multiple variations of those having to model that in 3d is just like it, it's called even sculpting it isn't really that um, that fun um, I think when Marvels came out, it just solved a fundamental problem. It's like, hey, I can really solve a very big problem for us and iterate through it very, very quickly. And I think that's the one. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen um, how to use Marvel Designer, but one of the best tools in it and the most intuitive thing is after you simulate something, just like you would if you were doing a, a photo shoot, you could go into the garment and literally pin it out and stretch it out and kind of make it go into the placement and the folds the way you want to, which I, in my opinion is probably one of the the best tools uh, of that package. Hey, Greg, are they paying us to do this? Uh, if not, why, why not? <laughs> I think, and yeah, um, we might need a sponsor. Right. I'm getting five licenses. I think everyone right. here, you get a license, you get a license, you get a license. <laughs> right. Nobody's getting Gosselin a license. Is the, is the Oprah Winfrey of, of right. 3D software. Look under your seat, software. guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, the license is like, the permanent license is like six hundred dollars, so it's really affordable. I mean, yeah, for some, for for some, and it's literally, it is literally, as far as I know, it's one of the only things in the three D world that is totally unique. I don't think there's anyone else doing anything even remotely close to it. Is that true, or is there some? I mean, there's V Stitcher, right? Um, I guess there, that there are three, in my opinion, there's three that really shine, um, which is um, Clo and Marvel's Designer uh, as as the company, V Stitcher, um, and then there's Optitex. And in my opinion. Each one serves a different audience. I think Marvel's Designer Clo has a very different. Um, it's a it's a much more friendly UI and user experience. Um, I think things look great out of the box. They just look good. Um, I think Optitex is on the other side of it. It's a lot more technical. You could dial in a lot more settings. I think, um, and you could get more realistic simulation patterns. But it takes a technical person to get there. Um, and I think Vsitcher sits in between those. Um, I've talked to a lot of design companies, and what I've seen is that with Marvelous, you can have the designers using it. With Optitex, you have a dedicated tool of uh, a, a dedicated pool of technicians that operate it. And uh, which can be which can be a perfectly valid way of working. By the it, way, I don't mean to denigrate it, that as a no. As a it's it's yeah. not like I said. It's a different audience. Some companies yeah. are set up to have a dedicated resource for just that thing, and I think if that you know if they're pumping out what they need and they're making you know making it work. Yeah. They're making and, it work. and to be honest, actually, I've, I've been a proponent of that. I, I actually usually say that um, at a at a company when I'm designing something, um, I I generally propose that the person doing the designing should not be the one doing the CAD. Um, you should always, even if it's a designer doing the CAD, you should trade off and and do the CAD for each other's designs because otherwise, you're um, you sort of end up designing whatever's easiest to model. And yeah. 
<laughs> and I think that that's that's a big problem. So for something like that, for like doing your you know simulation or whatever, uh, I I wouldn't want my fashion designers bogged down in software. You know, I would. I I would I wouldn't either. But like I said, I think I I feel Marvel designer is a bit closer to not having to worry about it. Like I said, things right. look good out of the box. I think when you go and you want, I mean, that's the difference, right? You model something, you're like, oh, that looks really good. And somebody looks at it and says, well, that's not really how that fabric behaves in real life if you really truly modeled it with this specific pattern. And you're like, I don't care. This is what I think looks good as a designer. Yeah. Um, but right, then if you really wanted to do it, then you would get somebody more technical. So let me jump in, because we're going to get back to Marvelous and some of the other uh, software packages on our survey. But I just saw Wes McDermott jumped in. So let me, we're going to jump to Wes in a second. So Pascal, anything else you want to tell the Pixel Fun doers, audience about well, you? You've got I just moved to New York about a few months ago. And that's um, still freelancer right now, looking into getting a job, maybe in a, something more stable in the production company here. but. So far, I'm still working with my French clients also. So, so all right. So if you are working in New York and you're watching this, Pascal is looking for a job. So you're on the Upper West Side. There's a lot of production company. I used to intern actually at a company on the Upper West Side there. Really? I think it was, I think it was West Side. Maybe the East Side actually. I think Curious Pictures and a bunch of. There's some big ones up there. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So contact Pascal. I think you can get to him through Pixel Fondue. Um, also, interesting life. You've lived in a lot of places. I think uh, you've been all around America and in Europe. So, are you French originally? Or just a uh, Japanese? French, yeah. You are French. Okay. I have a good friend who's working in France. Who I used to work them out here in Silicon Valley. He was a smoke artist. Remember smoke, uh, flame, and inferno, and all that. They actually still use it a little bit um, for color grading. But he's working over in, in France right now. Um, a lot of good uh, VFX companies in France now. Algorithmic is French, and uh... yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. There we go. All right. Good segue. All right. So Wes McDermott. <laughs> so new Pixel Chef, Wes, Wes McDermott. So Wes, um, I actually reached out to Wes because you know, I saw, uh, again, trying to expand out of Moto into some pipeline tools, seeing um, you know, the interest in Pascal's marvelous designer work. You know, I've met Wes before. He, Wes has been over at Sabretooth before and uh, works with some old Lexology guys as well over at Algorithmic. And I reached out to him as like, uh, hey, can you make some? <laughs> want to go over to Pixel Fondue, make some videos? You know, Moto, huge interest in substance. You know, he created the uh, normal rounding uh, baking video, which I think has more comments on it than any other Pixel Fondue video. It's been it's a really popular video. So you know, we're gonna pump you for more substance people to get over on Pixel Fondue. But Wes, why don't you just give us uh, the quick bio, the quick elevator pitch on yourself? Tell us what you also do, make how you started. Also, also make sure to mention all the ninja. Um, stuff you've been doing at the GDC stuff. <laughs> there we <Yeah>. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, hey, everyone. Uh, sorry I was late. Uh, I was kind of stuck in another meeting. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real honor to uh, work with you guys at Pixel Fondue. Uh, you know, some of us go back pretty far ways from the old uh, Luxology Moto days, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, so myself, um, you know, I've kind of had kind of a, a roundabout way of getting into uh, the industry, basically. Uh, so like I started back doing like video production work. Uh, then I moved into working at uh, UPS Airlines, creating uh, like interactive presentations for pilots and mechanics and stuff like that. So that was kind of interesting. And then uh, through that, though, I, I started doing more like tutorials and, and demos. And, and through that process, I got hooked in with uh, Algorithmic. Uh, so I was, you know, just doing some tutorials and things like that from them. 
uh, for them, uh, you know, going to GDC, uh, Unite Conference and stuff like that on, on their behalf. And, uh, you know, just uh, kept working with them until it uh, led into a full-time job, which uh, which has been an absolute dream for me. Uh, I've been working in Algorithmic now for three years as a full-time employee. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been awesome. And um, it's kind of brought me to where I am here today. So you should know the answer to what we were asking earlier. Uh, is algorithmic uh, a mixture of allegory and algorithm, or is there some other word? That yeah, that's that? that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. All right. There we go. That's for, uh, so. Hey, Yasin, are you watching the um, chat, the uh, live stream chat, by any chance? No, but I can. Yeah. If anybody, I should have brought this up earlier. We have some viewers here, and I think most people watch this later. There's usually a couple thousand people watch it later, but we'll get some people on. If you want to ask any questions, feel free. Get on. Just break in uh, from Wes or Pascal or anything else, and, and we'll get them out there. I think most people. Uh, hey, I can hear myself. Feedback. All right. So, how do you get to that? Is it the is it in the Q and A button on here? I think there's a little chat button at the on the. But I think that's just us. I don't know. I don't. Th I think the chat. Are you talking about the YouTube one though? Yeah, you have to go on to YouTube to see it. Oh, okay. We don't know what we're doing. Yeah, clearly, clearly. All right. You have to turn up the sound though, because it picks up. There we go. All right. I'll I'll deal with it. Don't worry about it. All right. Keep your eye on that. So I'm just gonna. So thanks, Wes, for that, and and definitely looking for more videos from you. People, like I said, that was a very popular video. I do want to. I'm gonna bring up the survey results. Unless anybody else want to break in here with anything before we do that. Adam, Ed, you've been kind of quiet. What's happening, Ed? No, How's that one? It's great, really good. The only thing I would say is that uh, getting back to Marvelous Designer, I mean, it was also used in uh, like The Hobbit, right, to design all the a lot of the fabric for like the the, the Hobbits, like their cloaks and stuff. Because we were kind I'm of sure um, making it sound a little bit game centric, but there was uh, I remember reading a whole article about how how it was used on uh, on those films. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, like I said, like once once some artwork gets out there, you know, people are you know. People in this industry do this because they love it. They're constantly looking around the internet and art station and other places for for cool art. And you bump into something, and you're like, "How the hell did you do that?" And you like, "That's how that stuff gets started." It is still very much a grassroots industry. In fact, algorithmic was probably had uh, uh, buoyed that way. I know Moto was. Um, okay, so let's let me see if I can. I'm going to try a quick screen share. See if that works. Hold me uh, one second here, so I don't screen share my email or something. While, while you do that, I think um, one of the coolest things I've seen on Marvelous um, and what they've done was they were doing like a pilot um, outfit, and they would basically it's multiple layers. Obviously, there's the harnesses and everything on top. So it was really cool seeing the the artist do one layer, freeze it, simulate the second layer, freeze it, third layer, freeze it over and over and over. And then when they're done, then they simulate all on top. You can see all the harness belts kind of just pulling everything. It was just an amazing workflow to look at, um, personally at least. So, so real quick, Pascal, does does Marvelous? I know I used MDD and correct in the other videos, but does Marvelous is that going to support Alembic? Uh, it does. I haven't used it honestly because the MDD workflow works very well for me. Okay. So uh, I haven't tried all the other exports options, FBX, Alembic, all that. So maybe Yasin knows more about it than I do. Um, yeah, I, I haven't used Alembic either. I it's been a combination of. Um, exporting LXOs and uh, or OBJs. Okay, sounds good. Let's see here. Let me do this. I'm just sorry. I'm just going to do a quick screen share of my the results. If I can find it. 
Can I say something? I, I, yeah. I would like to say something about Wes. His videos for, on substance designer and substance painter, they're just the best introductory videos that you can find on any software if you are starting out. It's just it's thorough, it's very well explained. I mean, really thumbs up for that. It's, uh, Makes it learning the makes learning the the software so much easier. Uh, thank you very much, Pascal. That that means a whole lot to me. It really does. Uh, that that really makes my day to hear that. Uh, it, it's cool. I really enjoy uh, making the videos, and uh, you know, it, I just I don't know. The way I look at it is, I taught myself. Uh, I know what it's like to struggle to learn software. So basically, if you know, once I kind of go through the process of like figuring out how to do everything, then you know. I think it makes it a little easier to try to teach it at that point. So uh, thank you very much. Those are those are very kind words. I appreciate it. All right. Wes, did you get uh, involved in Marvelous, I mean, um, uh, Substance Designer at the very beginning? Uh, no, um, actually, I did not. Uh, designer is actually super old. Um, so Algorithmic as a company is, uh, it's over 10 years. Um, and so they started, um, in the early days, they started uh, where it was really just like a research arm, basically. So you had like uh, uh, Sebastian, who's the CEO, and then he had uh, the core engineers who were still at Algorithmic, and uh, that you know they were just working on just different you know research uh, that they could do. And uh, 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 Yazan and Greg, you may guys, you guys may remember this, but uh, one of the first things I saw them do was for uh, a plugin for Moto called Image Synth. Did yep. any of you guys remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that was like one of the first times I had saw them, and I I love that plugin. I used it all the time. I thought it was really cool. So uh, some of that technology was just really what that was was just parts of the research of um, hey, you know, is this gonna can we make this into some type of product? And then I think after that, or maybe even before, it, they did another program called Map Zone, which was like designer, but not really. Uh, it was a lot different. Um, and that's super old. And then eventually, some of this research they did, it, it started to turn into designer. So I didn't actually start using designer until like uh, maybe version three. It's on six now. So I don't know, maybe halfway through, halfway into it, I guess. Okay, cool. All right. So, can you guys, can you guys see this? Oh, and an infinite mirror effect. <laughs> can, I, awesome. can I hide that? Yeah, for some reason, it wasn't letting me select the uh, Internet Explorer window. But do you see it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> So speaking of substance, so substance uh, on the survey got the most votes. Um, what, what's interesting is the programs that got the most votes, Substance, ZBrush, and Marvelous, are pipeline <laughs> tools, right? So, wait, wait a minute. So these are these are things that people want to see more of. Yeah, right. So, so now, uh, 3D Studio Max got the least. So right. All take right. Take that Autodesk. Um, yeah. yeah, so this was the survey from the Pixel Fondue newsletter. So we did have, I don't know, we had quite a few newsletters. I don't know. Hundreds, like three or four hundred newsletters go out, and so we had a decent amount of survey results. And uh, so, if you want to sign up for the Pixel Fundy newsletter, go to pixelfundy.com. The button's down at the bottom. I should probably move it to the top, and we all try to contribute. By the way, good job, Pixel Fundy people on the newsletter. Uh, I thought that was a good first effort. And if we get enough people going on the newsletter, my at least thought is I could maybe go to Chaos Group and say, "Hey, look, we've got uh, two thousand people on this newsletter. Give us a ten percent discount or whatever the V Ray. We'll send it out to everybody. Maybe we could do some stuff like that." Um, anyway, so yeah, Substance, uh, Marvelous, and and ZBrush, uh, top vote getters, and I think this speaks to uh, the way the industry is now in terms of you know back in the early days of Moto, back in the early days, uh, 
every program is striving to be a monolithic program, right? A do everything program. And I think Moto um, tried to go down that path as well. And they added dynamics, they added animation, they added all this stuff. And what happened is ZBrush came around and some of these other programs came around like, like Substance and Marvelous and uh, uh, like Retopo Gun and some of these other things that came in and kind of ate everybody's lunch in this middle ground of pipeline tools where they did one or two things extremely well. Well, I think that's why, that's why, Moto, that's why we all started Moto in the first place because they did one thing really well. Yeah. Um, that was modeling at the time, modeling, texturing, UVing, you know, rendering to an extent, but but mainly modeling. And that and uh, now it does everything. But you can see there on the on your little chart, the top three things are all single purpose tools. You know, there's there's one for making textures, there's one for sculpting, there's one for dynamics. I mean, soft body dynamics. And uh, so it just seems like that's <laughs> that's what people want is a tool that does something really well. Uh, and so it's yeah. yeah it's, Right. So, and if you look at, um, so this is kind of where I'm going with this is, you know, for me, the majority, I'm actually one of those guys who's probably uses every single feature in Moto. And so yeah. I, I, I don't think there's a feature in Moto I haven't used. Most of my output is, you know, either still imagery of product design or product renders or fairly complex animations for exhibits and product launches and, and broadcasts and things like that. So my output is images and animations. But for more and more people using a program like Moto, the output is just an FBX file. It's an asset. Because if you look at the other programs on there, I don't need to put it back up, but Unity and Unreal Engine got a lot of votes. And if you go to Unity's homepage, they've got like, what, a million downloads? And uh, let's say only 20% of those are being used. That's 200,000 licenses out there. Double that if you look at Unreal Engine 4. Neither of those programs makes anything, right? They right. need assets, <laughs> right? They need models. And so I, I see Moto as a pipeline tool for many, many people as well, even though for myself it's an Indian Well, they're doing really well in games for that reason. I think Moto is perfect for games, um, at least when compared with, say, Maya. So, Right. So there's... Um, you know, there's some there's some basic things about Moto's architecture that make it a really nice modeling program, really nice asset creation tool, both modeling and baking textures or working with a program like Substance. Uh, Maya, to his credit, has done a great job uh, gaining ground there. Um, I guess what I'm trying to do a little bit here is nudge Moto, you know, bring up that survey. And granted, there's not a ton of people, but if you look at the, the success of a company like Algorithmic, uh, Wes, I looked at, uh, there was an article recently that said Algorithmic had what? A hundred thousand licenses out there—is that correct? Like, uh, just—I guess you don't, I don't have, have to. I don't—I don't actually know, to be honest with you. Right. So, <laughs> so I—I can see if I can link to that article. But I was—I was shocked. And and the fact is, they've got you guys are doing well in the games industry and in the visual effects industry and check, yeah, things like that. So you don't have to say anything specific. But ZBrush obviously doing very very well. There's a place in the world for pipeline tools <laughs> to do extremely well, and they. You know, the reason people use ZBrush instead of sculpting in Moto or Maya, because it's obviously a lot better at that, right? Even better than Mudbox. So doing, like Adam said, doing one thing really well, you know, I just think the industry is different now than it was 10 years ago when Moto decided, you know what, we're going to be an everything program. And then the world broadened out with uh, 
Yeah, well, I mean, like even, the, even the pipeline stuff doesn't mean necessarily DCC anymore. You can go the route of Clarice, or you can go the route of, um, of Fabric, Fabric Engine, and either one of those, you know, you, that's just glue. It's just glue. There's no, there's no modeling. There's no rendering. You know, you're just taking, you know, assets that other people have made. You're bringing them in. You're rigging them. You're making huge scenes or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think to have a pipeline anymore doesn't even necessarily mean you have a DCC at the center of it. Um, yeah, the way the way I, I see, oh, just real quick, let me jump in. But you know, 3D is not going to get smaller. It's going to get. There's going to be a 3D model of every single thing on the planet. I mean, it just is. The biggest companies in the world right now, Facebook and Google and other big companies, are dumping billions into VR. Might fail, <laughs> might fail, but not. Which, before by the way, it's a, a good segue into. Uh, somebody asked if VR is uh, is still is still a thing. Is still uh, is everybody still on the band on the VR bandwagon? It's still a thing as long as like these gigantic companies are dumping tons of money into it. If they yeah. abandon it, then maybe it's not a thing. But they sure as hell, you know, Oculus. You, Adam, I know you do some work with Oculus. They were bought by Facebook. by Facebook. What two billion? Two billion bucks back. Yeah. They're not going to write off two billion a year later. They're going to keep after it for a while, right? So you've got They're some spend other another two billion before they write it off. Yeah, you've got right. at least another. There's at least another year of steam left in it. I mean, I think we, we've passed peak VR hype, but nobody. I mean, yeah. hype doesn't do anybody any good. Um, so I think we're now getting into the meat of it, where we're going to actually see what what happens. And I, I'm still very much on the bandwagon with, like I said, with my seatbelt on. Like I'm I'm strapped in, ready to go. Um, it. The, the thing is, for anybody watching who's thinking like, ah, oh, it's so lame. Everybody's talking about VR. Who cares? It's it's not. If you have not tried it, shut your mouth. Yeah. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> if you've tried it and you still think that it doesn't, you know, that it's not worth your time, fine. But you got to try it first. Otherwise, you you don't understand. You can't uh, you can't I, I also, until you try it. And I also think you have to try it. You have to try the right things in it. I've seen yeah, a lot you of. You have to try good stuff. First of all, let me just clarify: the Samsung having a Samsung phone in a cardboard box, and then and then doing this—that's not true. No. I mean, that's a, no. that's a, that's basically a spherical map VR that you're looking into for the most part. There are some that give you a sense of it, but try a true <laughs> VR system first, as Adam said, and then give some judgment. And in addition to that, I think. There are certain tools today in VR that lend themselves well to that environment, and there's a crap load of tools and games that are just, I mean, I'm like, I just don't understand why they thought this would be a good idea to just put it in VR. <laughs> and, and I don't necessarily think that uh, VR is the future. Like, uh, I think that it's a part of the future where, yeah, right. where everybody's yeah. going. I think the future, in, in, and I do think we're looking at a whole new realm of computing, and I think that's going to be summed up in mixed reality. So I think the future is part VR, part AR. And I think what really is going to be the future is what everybody keeps deeming as this mixed reality. You know, and I think that like, like Greg, you were mentioning all these companies putting money. I think that, yeah, they're going to continue to pour money into this because, you know, you keep reading it. I think it's the next innovative wave, you know, like we had smartphones and then we had, you know, what's the next new thing? I think it's going to be this mixed reality where it's, you know, a combination of AR, VR in some form or another. But I don't think it's necessarily going to be just a VR headset. I think it's going to evolve into more. And then also you got to think about the technology itself. Like right now you're tethered, but down the road, you won't be tethered. Uh, you'll be more free moving around. I mean, think, you know, 10 years down the road, the VR that we see today is going to be unrecognizable to the, the VR maybe slash AR solutions that we have in the future. Yeah, that's my other point. It's it, We're in the infancy here. And uh, whatever the solution is, they're going to need 3D content. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, so 
you know, that seems like a, a area of growth. <laughs> I mean, look at Microsoft with the, uh, you know, three, the, what is it they call it, the 3D Everywhere initiative or whatever, what they're doing with the creators update in Windows. I mean, it's like. Yeah, they slapped 3D on their OS name. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, seeing, they're seeing this. And that's what I was mentioning with this whole mixed reality boom. This is like the next huge wave that, that technology is going to ride. Uh, and the technology is going to ride. And, and I think you've got these huge companies like Facebook and Microsoft and they're seeing this and going, yeah, we need content creators. So us being 3d artists, this is like the golden age for us. I think it's amazing, you know, yeah. and anybody, I mean, you have all these tools that are accessible now and that we, you can get in and create it. It's like the best time to be a 3d artist. Yeah. I think. Yeah. We I, re recently lost uh, yeah. uh, James dark. who <laughs> yeah. went to, where did he go? Facebook, wonder what he's working on. I don't know, probably their homepage. I mean, come on. Like there's a lot, it's like there's a lot of uh a lot of uh, opportunity out there. And yeah. and so so you know, yeah, I, I just I'd like to I just want that part of the discussion going forward in terms of Moto's future. Because for me, my best interest like I do a ton of animation in Moto and stuff like that. And so I, I see people who like want cloth features and they want simulation features and stuff like that. But I think like long term, I mean, that stuff can all come down the road if you get if you broaden your market by four hundred percent by really going after asset creation for the two hundred thousand or whatever Unity and Unreal licenses out there that are going to be used to create this stuff. Yeah, I think I think I think there's a there's a big opportunity for for a package that you were talking about pipeline packages. Um, and just to just to talk about Moto, I mean, Moto's living in this kind of in this in this world like that's like it's not a high end expensive package, but it's also not cheap enough for for people making games and stuff. Um, indie tries to do that, but if you can't write scripts for your for it, that if you if they can't buy my scripts, basically indie is useless to me. So uh, so yeah, I think um, it's, we're stuck in a tricky middle ground. Well, I think uh, right. Some companies are trying to catch up. Where you know, for us, we've been around a long time. We remember the Maya PLE and the old, all these failed, low-cost, cut-down versions of expensive 3D packages. They all fail. They all suck. Yeah. Um, you know, Houdini went forward with Houdini Indie, which which I think was in part an effort just to grow their base because it's a complex program. It's difficult. It takes a long time to learn. There's uh, you know people that demand from the VFX industry. They needed to find people to fill that, and they did that there, but. You got to catch up. Like I used to like roll my eyes at the indie market. Oh, come on, guys. Like, can't you dish out a couple hundred bucks for this? It's your career. But you have companies like Algorithmic that have a, a different tiers of, of licensing and pricing structures and ways to get the program into people's hands. I have never heard anybody complain about algorithmics offerings. Like, like they don't complain about the various. I, don't think, I, you know, I think I think I've literally Matt's gonna love this. I, I think I've literally never heard anything negative about algorithmic at all. <laughs> I don't think anybody has ever said anything negative about you guys, as far no. as I'm aware. No, we, we, we get it. We get it. And, and rightfully so. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we'd love to hear feedback from the community and whether it be positive or negative, you know, it's, it's good to get all that, uh, especially sometimes, you know, you get, you know, constructive negative feedback so that we can just make things better, you know, and we've had some, some people say some things about pricing early on and, and, you know, we looked at it internally and then we changed it. So, the whole idea is is just to try to make it the products accessible to as many people as possible. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, well, I'll say that's a testament to Sebastian, though the 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 CEO of, because it sounds like when you say that, you're like you know, make it accessible to as many people as possible, so we can make a ton of you know, just make money. And uh, obviously, any company needs to make money to stay afloat. I mean, I hope they, you know, I need that so I can have a job, but. 
At the same time, though, I'll say it's a testament to, to Sebastian, the CEO, that I think makes Allegramic special because he is very artistic person. He's a very smart person, and he really, truly cares about people being able to make art. Sounds and like somebody who used to be at the Foundry but isn't anymore. <laughs> well, you know, correct, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here, but Mari beat Substance uh, Painter to the market by several years. Am I correct? I mean, it was definitely on the market prior to Substance. Oh, yeah. yeah, Substance Painter. Yeah. Substance Painter is what, 600 bucks? Is that right? Uh, well, there's different ways to buy it, but. Yeah, it's like the, the standalone pro purchase, I think, yeah. And Mari's what, 3X that? For, you know. Basically, do you really think there's only three times as many substance painters as Mari users? I mean, there's probably 30 times as many people using substance painter as Mari, which maybe costs three times as much, but all those people went ahead and bought substance painter. And so you're making money clearly. It doesn't have to be a high price program. And yeah, I but you have, just, to, you have to be careful when you make these kind of judgments because when you look at like, so I, I you know, I'm going to, being from the CAD world, I don't have any, you know, analog in this industry, but, but like in CAD, if you look at, um, at say Dassault Systems, right, they have SOLIDWORKS, um, which is pretty popular and fairly inexpensive for an engineering CAD system, five to eight grand for a, for a seat. And then you've got um, Katia, which can run anywhere from 20, 30, 40 grand. You can even run a hundred grand seat, depends on what you have. Um, the Katia business is minuscule in terms of users compared to SOLIDWORKS. I mean, many orders of magnitude, but um, but Katia still makes more money overall. Um, so just because you have a very small user base does not mean you can't make very real money um, doing it if you're charging high prices. No, that that is that is true. I think what happened is Foundry probably underestimated the demand for a 3D painting package. Maybe, you know, or they, it can also so be it can also be that Foundry doesn't care to deal with mass market. I mean, some people don't want to do that kind of support. They just want to deal with a small number of big customers. Zan's so, head's about to explode. <laughs> just a little bit. No, what I'm gonna say is, the, I think, obviously, I do think there's a missed opportunity for um, for Mari, but that's 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 not the point. I think the point is, Mari is a. Um, the best way to put it, I was talking to Jack, one of the guys that, well, the main guy that uh, wrote Mari. Basically, Mari is a data management system more than a painting system. Um, it's really more about managing the insane amount of data that has to go through it for the uh, onset uh, assets that are being targeted. So films like Avatar and Stereo at eight, you know, 16K or 32K or 64K maps, that's more of a data problem than it is a texture problem. If you've hmm. ever seen somebody demo Mari, it's really, it's a technical program. They'll be going around showcasing how you turn stuff on and off more than their texture painting. Whereas I find um, Substance uh, Painter to be more of a, an artistic friendly tool to create things uh, on the fly. And it seems a lot more intuitive uh, in terms of, like I said, it's like the, it's like the uh, Optics versus Marvel Designer. I think there's yeah. two different audiences and two different needs for these tools. Um, had they spent more time, yeah, they could probably compete better, but I think it's just, you know, uh, Substance Painter did a better job of introducing artist-friendly tools at a relatively affordable price. Um, again, just did the right thing at the right time to the right uh, audience members. And there's so, also there's also just branding involved, too. I mean, you when you talk about having a brand, you a brand has a certain market slot, right? And they can't always, you can't stretch the Moto brand up to a $50,000 product. It just doesn't, it won't stretch that high. And similarly, you know, the Nuke 
the new uh, brand is up at a certain price point, and they don't necessarily want to pollute that by selling you know low end stuff. So I think you know you can. Think so of so yeah, and these are all great points. What I'm trying to do here is start a conversation because I think what happened is is I think. Like I said, I'm guilty of this as well. I've seen so many of these low-cost versions fail, and the world has changed. And and there's programs out there that require just assets, just like like I said, Unity and Unreal. Um, and there's a lot of those users out there. I just want to start this conversation to make sure that this the indie market isn't being that you know attitudes are we need to need to change all the way up through the corporate structure on this market. It's a viable market. It's being served well by algorithmic and other companies. And so let's just start a conversation on this. Um, it's not me personally because I'm the guy who who you know buys buys the high price version, uses all the features. But I just I just see the world is different. Like yeah. Ed, you're you're not a you know you you're not a, you're an actor. I mean you're you're that's where you're making your money. True, you know, yeah. You, but you buy you spend thousands of dollars on computer hardware and software. I mean, how do you look yeah, at this? Just it's an expensive hobby at this point. And um, I mean with. Uh, you know, I, I learned a little bit of Maya. Um, I came to Moto basically because it was less expensive, and it was, um, you know, the, the big thing about Moto was it was the first 3D package that I really uh, understood all of the the concepts that I couldn't learn on on Maya. Um, but if I ever wanted to get back to Maya, at, at this point, Autodesk basically closed me out because of, uh, you know, uh, the, their subscription. Uh, so you're not you're not even going to you're not considering Maya anymore because you don't have 15k a year that you can just. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, if if I were to get on like the monthly uh, subscription, it's just even that's just out of my out of my. Uh, well, that that's like crazy. That's a couple hundred yeah. bucks. A month, yeah, yeah, one fifty a month or whatever. Yeah. Right. So so should we segue into Autodesk now, or do you guys want to keep talking about Pascal? Do you have any thoughts about this? Well, I just want to say that there are other markets in three D than the the games and or the indie market. For instance, what I work on, especially in in the states now. I work in previs or so animatics and cinematics. There's a huge amount of 3D now, and it's all based on the. It's you have to go fast, so there's no time to do like a very detailed assets and all that. It's, it's but you have to go fast. So it's motion capture uh, with a like very simple setups in a room like this one, maybe a little bigger, like a 12 cameras, something like that. The production companies have their setup. And then it goes maybe sometimes into Motion Builder or sometimes into their own pipeline, but it's all Maya. And uh, they, they, um, it's amazing the, the amount of work that's uh, done in that pipeline. And I don't see Modo fitting in there. People don't know at all about Modo. It's not even a choice. That, uh, when I talk to them about it, it's like. Where, do they model they the low res assets in Maya? Yeah. OK. Hmm. So, so I. Go ahead, Ed. No, I was just going to say that that's interesting because I would think that um, Moto would actually be a really viable uh, choice for animatics, just because you're building things pretty pretty low res. I mean, it's uh, performance. Probably, like yeah, probably is. I just don't know about it. Right? Yeah. Is that a Pascal? Yeah, the, the, the performance playback is just uh, just uh, impossible. So that's I mean, the performance playback. Okay. <laughs> So let, let's talk about um, Autodesk now, just a little bit. And you just got to let me, uh, I'll try to be concise. And I've got some, uh, I've got some visual aids. But in general, I, I want to, so I own Autodesk Creative Suite. I've owned it since 2012. Um, I even found the box. You mean, oh, uh, oh yeah, OK. <laughs> so that was like uh, 7,000 bucks or something. I dropped on that. That was five years ago. I think another 1,000 bucks a year. So I, that's about 12K I've put into that box there. Um, 
And there is a difference between subscription for a new user and a current user. So Ed would be like a new user. He looks at subscription. You know what? It's a hobby, 15K a year. That's like all my other hobbies combined and repeated every yeah. year. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Fine. You're making a decision based on that, and you go to an option like Moto. If you're a current user, you've already made a 12K investment, and you have a company that's essentially coming to current users. Let me break this down a little more. There's so there's a difference between new users and current users. We all agree with that? Yep. Adam? Yeah. And sure. there's a difference between a hobbyist, a small business freelancer, and a if you're working at Electronic Arts and you're managing 500 mile licenses, right? So there's differences between current users as well. And so I'm going to be, because this is what I am, I think most of our audience is probably falling in the hobbyist and, and uh, freelancer small business like Sabretooth or 9B or Mechanicolor, you know, some of these small businesses we have here. Um, so I'm going to address that and, and, and what I got. So again, so there, I'm just going to actually bring up the letter that they sent me because <laughs> you actually have to see this thing. So let me uh, do the sharing thing again, see if I could get this to work. I think, uh, Entire screen share. Actually, on uh, on Friday, I interviewed um, interviewed uh, Carl Bass um, from Autodesk, who's no longer the CEO as of a few yes, weeks ago. Yes, that's right. Oh, you did what yeah. on, uh, on, uh, on on engineer Smack. versus designer. Um, so yeah, it'll be on Solid Smack uh, probably in the next next couple of days. So, all right. Can you guys see this screen at all? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So first of all, hello blank space. Right. So. Mm -hmm. My name's Greg. I'm in your, I'm in your database. <laughs> like, if you're gonna f me, know my name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Okay, so okay, they want to take a minute to share the direction that Autodesk is heading and off give us a special offer to move to subscription. And so it's this moving down here. Okay, I'm reading my email here, and they believe so. Somebody, you know. I, I just wonder, like the the number of people crowded around the laptop to write this thing or in the conference room, but yeah. So so it's going well, to basically the only thing they forgot to to attach to this is uh, the head of a horse. Right, right. I know <laughs> that's the way it feels. So yeah. basically, they're basically we're on the path to becoming a subscription only company. Okay. So here's your following benefits: latest and greatest product capability. So if you have maintenance, there there's no tangible difference I can see at all. If you have maintenance, you get the latest and greatest. It's not like the subscribers get a special version. You don't. You get it. Access to new industry collections. All that saying is like that box I showed earlier, that's phased out because they're not going to offer. I got soft homage with that. They're not going to offer that anymore. They have a new package without soft homage. So that's what your access is to, basically a package with less software in it. Uh, new and improved support. Does anybody on this call give a crap about that? And believe that for a second. <laughs> well, I it's mean, like internet fast lanes. You know, there's no such thing as an internet fast lane. There are only slow lanes, and it's the same thing here. They're like, here are the things that we're not going to cut out of your service if you <laughs> if you yeah. uh, remain on subscription. It's, it's, it's like early '90s stuff, like Avid. Like, okay, you get support. <laughs> and it's like, come on, nobody. You, we're gonna call you and have some guy who knows less than me, like, try to answer a question. Okay, simplified administration. So I will give this some credence to the guy at Electronic Arts who has 500 mile licenses. He's not paying for it. He doesn't care. He just has to submit the budget to somebody above him to get signed off on. They don't even know what Maya is. Okay, fine. Okay, but for, for me, 
there, there is no simplified administration. I have a, a little program <laughs> right here that, you know, I just up, I just update it automatically. Well, Greg, if, uh, if you, so like if they, if, if they didn't think it was a tough sell, they wouldn't have written the 2000 word essay to try to convince you. Right. So, right. <laughs> they right. recognize that this is a tough sell. It's not, right. it's not tough enough to put your name in there, but it's tough. <laughs> oh, it gets it gets worse. So so with our move to subscription, one thing has been clear to us: managing two businesses, two business models, subscriptions and maintenance, which is hardly any difference, is quite costly. So to continue supporting maintenance, beginning on this May, we're going to increase it by five percent in 2017, double that to ten percent 2018, double it again to twenty percent 2019. Because like, apparently, as people are moving off this, their cost is going up. I don't again. They're not even offering this anymore. How can their cost get it? Okay. Anyway, so I don't, I don't, I don't know what they. So like when I went to upgrade, I go to my little Autodesk upgrader to get my maintenance, and it, here's what it says: contact your reseller. I mean that. So that's costing them. I don't, again, like I just don't buy it. If you're gonna throw this at me, that is costing you more, and you're gonna increase my percentage, my percentage increase, exponential, like doubling every year, uh, this percentage increase in cost, and to me. Uh, a customer of seven years or whatever. <laughs> I'm just like, you got to show me more than that. I'm not taking your word for it. Yeah, there's no more after the whole WMD thing. I'm not taking anybody's word for it. Do you right? have any? Uh, do you have any four letter four letter words you want to say or like? Any, you know, it just feels like there's something coming here. You're you're, you're leading yeah, up to something. I'm trying to keep it clean, but now let's let's move on. Okay, now, <laughs> now that we've shared the direction we're heading, we'd like to talk to you about. <laughs> special offer towards subscription when I recognize your loyalty and the value of your previous investments, really. Okay, so here's where it gets kind of, an, it gets very insulting. So beginning in 2017, you'll be able to move your products on a maintenance plan uh, to a subscription for up to 60% up to less than the cost of a new subscription. Okay, then this discount will decrease every year while your maintenance, by the way, is increasing every year. <laughs> If you're paying, if you're still paying maintenance, I mean, they're trying to get you off maintenance. Right. So this is the that's, that's that, right. This is this is how it comes off as a scam. And this is the one that gets me right here. When you make the switch, you'll also be able to lock in your discounted price for up to three years and continue to receive discounted pricing for as long as you renew. So so what they're not saying here is this is a trade-in offer, right? This is yeah. a this is a trade-in, and they're looking to take this. So I give you this, this $12,000 investment. I give you this. I give it back to you. I give it back to you plus like another thousand bucks with my discount or whatever. I give it to you and you give me the exact same thing, except I no longer own it. I have to rebuy it every year. For I the don't rest think of my you give it back to them. You still have the, the version that you have in that box. That's yours forever. No, nope, no longer works. Oh, you can't get it a license server. It anymore. is a trade-in, Adam. It is a oh. trade-in. If you if I move to subscription, and that's why they glossed over that in the letter, and you have to, and it's in a fine print if you go on their site, and I can show that as well. This is where it gets really insulting. They just called me a loyal customer with who who invested in their product for years. Now they're saying, give this back to us, and we will <laughs> give you the exact same thing. But but you don't own it. You have to give us more money every year or it doesn't work. That's a better deal. That's a better deal. You get more, you get support. It's a better deal. Like that's where it's like, you just like, like, okay. So let me, let me go back to this. Like, I, obviously I'm getting like a little bit like, come on, man. So, so if I go back to share the screen, go back to this silly thing here. Well, let's just drag down. Okay. Teresa, 
Teresa Ananina. <laughs> Teresa. Oh no, you're calling her by name. I'm gonna call her Teresa, even though she called me hello. Blank, <laughs> hello, blank space. I mean, loyal customer. <laughs> hello. Want to give us your stuff and we'll rent it back to you. I mean, that's what that is what this letter is. Hi, give us your thing you bought from us. We'll rent it back to you. Dumbass. I mean, they're just like. Oh man, this, this, this is the chat, the, the chat line is lit now. Everybody's enjoying <laughs> the, the moment of rage that's coming out of Gregory. Well, so I mean, it's in so so right. So okay, <laughs> Teresa. Let me go back so you can see my. See my face, Teresa, because I hope somebody. Oh no, I'm all. Oh, there we go. Okay, so let me make a move. Come back to me. Go. Okay, Teresa. How could you send this? Did you? Can you imagine receiving this letter? You just called us a loyal customer. You, you gave us four bullshit reasons. Unless you're like EA and you easier maintenance. Uh, no, first of all, you bullshitted this uh, that this, uh, or at least gave us a reason that this is costing you more without any evidence. Just and said that you're going to jack up the price every year on maintenance, and then you give us four sort of bullshit reasons why mate or subscription is better than maintenance, and then you offer. And I'm going to break down the price in a second, by the way. And you offer us this deal, which we'll take a look at, uh, because we we're creating <laughs> 3D artists. We know math. We're not idiots. I mean, come on, and and so. And then you basically you you don't even put in the letter the fact that we can no longer use perpetual license. That this is a trade-in. It's a trade-in. We're trading in a a massive out a, a price plus all the uh, years of, of of maintenance we put in there already. You're trading it in for something. You're renting us back the same thing. And anybody else have an opinion on this? <laughs> Wes, 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 Wes is like, I did not sign up for that. Is what they're saying on the chat window. Yeah, like, and you're like, and you're, oh. you're you're prodding us like, well, hold on, we'll get to Wes because <laughs> I'm not done yet. You're prodding us along. You have a point, a sphere, not like five percent increase. 10% increase, 20% increase, what, what, 40% increase in 2020, 80% increase in 2021. Nothing is stopping them from doing that. They can do that. They're basically saying, we effing dare you to switch packages. We dare you. You're so invested in 3D that in this program, that we're, we can offer you this crap offer to have us give, make you give us back the thing you bought from us and rent you the same thing back to you. We're so convinced that you're that you're tied to us that we're actually going to throw this out there, and we dare you to change. And let me tell you, 3D is different than Creative Cloud and Photoshop. And just as an example, I downloaded Affinity Pro last night. I'd never used it before. Let me share my screen again. Uh, share and bring up Affinity Pro. Can you guys see Affinity Pro? Uh, yeah. Not quite. There we go. Yep. Okay. So I have never used this program before in my life. And the thing with 3D is it's 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 a very complex. Uh, it takes years to become a master of a 3D program. I can't load my fully rigged Hammerhead Shark. I use a Moto, my fish asset that I've built up over years of work, you know, into Maya and just have it work. Like this is a is a file that I had delivered to a client a couple of days ago. It's a Photoshop file. I downloaded Affinity Pro, loaded it up, and it works. Everything's there. A layer like adjustment layers are there, uh, group masks are there, all the keyboard shortcuts appear to be the same. If Photoshop disappeared from the earth tomorrow, I could download Affinity Pro. By the way, Affinity Pro is, let me just go to their website, is no subscription. Just that's their value prop. No <laughs> subscription, 50 bucks. 
and you can load up your Photoshop file and work on it that day without cracking a manual. So it's not the same thing as Adobe. It's just, it's not the same thing. If you were to take uh, my 10 years of Moto expertise away from me and all of my assets that my clients, repeat clients come back to me year after year, um, I'm in a huge amount of trouble. So I am definitely uh, tied, more tied to a 3D program than a 2D program. 3D programs are much different, it's a totally different ballgame than Adobe Creative Cloud. Um, what about and, After Effects, though? Yeah, OK, right. So it's different, right? So it is different with After Effects. There's a lot there with, with, with uh, there's a lot of different I think Adobe the big programs. Difference, the big but, difference is that, that the Creative Cloud, it, whatever, you know, it might be a misleading name, but whatever, it's a, it's a ridiculous bargain. It is so cheap for what they're offering you. And so that's that's the big difference. You can go to a subscription. Like if, if I think the big difference, what we're talking about here is just dollars. It's just how many dollars you have to pay. And you're going to have to pay more for Maya than you were before. And that pisses you off. Whereas with Adobe, when they made the switch, they just made it so cheap that nobody cared or very few people. I certainly didn't. Right. When, when Adobe made the switch, you know, I was at the creative suite or whatever, and I was uh, paying, I think, whatever, thousand, 800, whatever it was. Basically, I got a hell of a lot more for way less. So I got a whole bunch of, I got all these other programs I'd never used, like all the web design programs, Acrobat Pro, stuff I actually use every once over creating like uh, invoices and things like that. And like, like, and it, it cost less. This is not the case if I do my screen share here and bring up my um, breakdown of Maya. Whoops, sorry guys. Feedback, feedback. Okay, can you see this? I zoom in here. So you guys see this? Oh yeah, yep. So I took this off of, I think, Rim Crazy on, uh, so I don't have Maya, I have Creative Suite, so I can't do a, a direct Maya comparison, but Rim Crazy on the Luxology forums. Um, Rim Crazy, <laughs> I might want, I don't know, okay, change that handle. Uh, so he, he, he broke this down, right? So this, is, so this is with the percentage increase. So this is like a $600 maintenance, 5% additional, 10% additional, 20% additional. At the end of three years, 2155, now, if you go to Autodesk's website, it says 30% off, although that letter to me said up to up to 60% off. So I put them both there. After three years, even if you get 30% off with subscription, you're paying more, quite a bit more than if you just did maintenance. And three years, if it's a 60% off, you're, you're less, but you just do one more year at full price. And here I just did another 20% uh, right. increase. And then all of a sudden it's, it's break even, and that's in four years. Anything after that, subscription is... Uh, quite a bit more expensive than maintenance, even if jacking up the maintenance price, and you no longer own it. So, and here we are, if you just start Maya fresh, 14, 14, 14, you're up, up you know, 5K, almost 6K after four years. So um, I don't see any value in this offer at all. I see it as a, as a, just a, I, we're doing this. And like Adam said, like, uh, I guess I'm coming at it as, as a, I understand corporate. I'm not, this is so not we, get, we get that you're pissed. I, I get the I get the impression that you're pissed off, and that's okay. But, and a lot of us a lot of us don't like it either. Okay, so I, don't get me wrong. And I've written plenty of angry blog posts about Deso Systems when they did the same thing to us with SolidWorks. I mean, this, this stuff happens, and it's really irritating. But at a certain point, you just have to be a businessman. You have to be just be a grown up and say, look, is this value proposition still worth it to me as a business person? If it is, pay it. If it's not. Don't, and that's yeah. kind of you know that's kind of the the big deal here. It's like, but Adam, everybody's going to make that decision and be a grown up. That that's that you have to if you're going to continue on. So that's right. oh, that's, that, my, so that's that, my point. And so, so you've so, got the, you've got this proposition in front of you. You're saying, look, here's how much I'm going to have to pay. It's more than before. C'est la vie. And but, so, what are we going to do? You can still be pissed, 
You can still be pissed, right? <laughs> because, sure because they're because of, you can still, like they said, they call you a loyal customer. You've dumped a lot of money into this, and and then this is how this is what they throw back at you. So it's okay to be pissed. And Autodesk needs to know that people are pissed. So Teresa, people are pissed. <laughs> That's a bullshit letter. Be honest with us. Just tell us, like, look, man, software as a service is worth more. We're gonna force all you guys over if it's the last thing we do. Sorry. Be a grown up. Make a decision. Fine. At least you're being honest. Like, don't don't blow smoke up my ass, right? Yeah. All right. I'm done with this one now, but that I wanted to get that out. I, I hope I spoke for a lot of people there. All right. Moment of let's silence. Talk great let's, let's talk. Let's talk about how great algorithms are. <laughs> how everybody should do what they're doing. <laughs> or how long will they be doing it, though? That's the thing. I mean, I think you it's, you're going to be hard pressed to find a lot of software that's not software as a service in five years. Um, It'll exist, but it's it's going to be the small guys, um, and even the ones like Affinity that you're seeing right now, um, that are not that value proposition. I, you can yeah, you can hold me to it. I'll bet in five years they're acquired by somebody and they have a subscription available. That um, might not be their only thing, but but I bet they will have one um, because that is a bit more profitable business model. And if you are a software maker and you see two business models, one's more profitable than the other. You're going to choose the one that's more profitable. Well, so, so so it is to a point, right? So there's a balance of power here. So when a software company um, offers a good value, and the thing is, with it, like Maya has been doing great in terms of value. They've really had some great releases, which is sort of the ironic thing here. So so then you can balance between, you know, am I going to spend this much for value or go to an alternative? When when you and so you have some power as a consumer by always going to a, an alternative, right? If there's no alternative, and part of the issue with being a 3D animator is, is it's difficult to switch. It'll take me a year to regain. I've used Maya since version three. It'll take me a year to regain my expertise. Um, oh, I to, totally to agree level, with you. And right? by the way, it's totally okay to be. I didn't say you shouldn't be pissed. I just said like, at, you know, I, I'm just saying that at a certain point, I just got over it. Like because because even though this stuff pisses me off. I, I ranted and raved about it for a while, but that didn't change anything. And I ultimately just had to take a deep breath to do what, what I tell my three-year-old to do. You know, <laughs> take a deep breath and quit quit the screaming and be like, all right, well, we're gonna have to do something. Well, and what I found was, you know, that the tools that I was using were worth it for what I was doing, you know, for my business. And so, you know, So what, here so here's do. what I'm gonna do though. I'm not I'm not just I'm not gonna <clears throat> submit, Adam. I'm not gonna submit. If you are another software vendor out there, take a look at what Autodesk is doing. Take a look, again, balance of power. As long as there's alternatives, people will choose differently. If you go to the Autodesk forums, there is a ton of people saying, forget it. I've seen people on the Foundry forums who say, like, I'm an Autodesk user, I don't own Moto, I'm looking into it. Take a look at the landscape here. <laughs> Those are all the same people who moved to Canada when Trump was elected, i.e. none of them. They, they, they say they're going to switch. OK, you're, <laughs> you're saying that, yet Affinity Designer exists. It says no subscription. They have users. I see them online. I have a feeling they're making money. So there is a there there is an alternative. There is an alternative route here. And I am, if doing nothing, trying to use this as a platform, to throw that back your way and to think about that a little bit, okay? I hope people aren't looking at Autodesk and saying, yeah, man, they were able to strong arm their users over. Let's do that too. <laughs> I, yeah, think, I, 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 I do think, I do think there's, a, there's, a, there's some, uh, I think there's, there's some sense in, in kind of what you're saying. Look, uh, Adobe did it. I think everybody looked at Adobe and said, they did it. Why can't we so. do it? Um, but I do think that, as Adam said, the value of what you're getting for the price that you're getting is is is, is very different than what Autodesk seem to be doing. 
um, and they are strong arming. And let, let's face it, some of some of their tools are industry standard, and they'll they'll unless until something else props up um, and offers something different, whether it's in the price, whether it's in the features. I mean, you could go and find maybe four or five tools to take over what Maya did, for example, um, and still have a better. Um, Option. Right. So there was. Everybody. Oh, by the way, somebody's pointing out that Autodesk has been losing money since the switchover, and they have. It's true, but so did Adobe for the first few years. Um, yeah. that, that's you know that's a short term deal. Do you They'll remember how how long it took for Adobe? I don't recall it, it was that long. Was it? Yeah, it took several years. It it took a, it took a two or three years, I think, for them to to build back up. But, so so yeah. and again, there's subscriptions. Like I I do Creative Cloud, and I've always like I always say like I pay more for the guy who mows my lawn than I do for Creative Cloud, and I make a lot of money off Creative Cloud, and. So there's definitely a place in the world for subscriptions. I don't like the strong arm tactic. With with creative, you know, you can just subscribe to Photoshop if that's all you use. It's super cheap. It's like a, two cups of coffee a month. I mean, it's not a lot. Um, I'm just I do think like I think this could open up the doors for some other opportunities for some other software companies. Like Houdini's already got their foot in the water with Houdini Indie. We'll see. There's only a half dozen really players left in this in this in this industry. Um, I'm just trying to again start a conversation and do some nudging, uh, and look at the, look at it this way. And, and we don't want to talk about the foundry directly because they haven't announced anything yet. So I'm obviously doing some indirect talking here. Uh, but like you look at like Ed, you know, Ed Ed is a hobbyist. He makes 3D stuff for hobby. There's a lot of hobbyists who also paint and draw and stuff like that. Imagine you're a hobby a hobbyist. Imagine a hobbyist who says, "I want to create some art. I'm going to jump onto my program." I'm going to create some art. I'm going to jump to my canvas and create some art. Can you imagine, like, I'm going to go paint now because I feel the, the inspiration has struck me. I'm going to go do oil painting, and oh shit, I forgot I rented all my paintbrushes. <laughs> I don't have them anymore. <laughs> Nobody would do that. <laughs> well, they would if they were very expensive paintbrushes inherently. Like, if you're or very expensive you're, cameras. You're, that's the thing. If your art, if if your art involves expensive equipment, you might rent it for a shoot, or you might rent it for for sculpting for a week, and then send it back. And then when you need to do more sculpting, you go and you rent the tool again. I mean that. Yeah, there is a place a, for that. I used to rent HD decks all the time because they're 150 grand. And so by the way, I feel like I'm coming that. out. I'm, I'm I'm coming off as like the pro Autodesk voice in this, and I'm not. It's just I'm just trying to kind of balance a little bit of Greg's ire here. Well, I mean, this is either going to work for them or it's not. And other companies are either going to follow their lead or they're not. And we're just going to 3D is not going away, so we're going to see how this shakes out. Uh, but I, I think that's the difference, Greg, is that. Autodesk has leverage because their tools are industry standard. I think if you owned, if you owned another piece of software that was the industry standard for something, and you did that, you'd get away with it. But if you have a tool that's not industry standard and you did that, you'd probably just lose people because they're going to look for something else. Not it's, again, it's not about subscription. It's not about the subscription itself. It's about the value of what they're getting for that, and whether they're being, you know, in, like in this case of Autodesk, if if as a user you're feeling like you're you're being manipulated into it and not being told the truth i think yeah. there are there are some there are some cases where users are like you know what i'm not going to take this i'm going to go change and do something else um, sometimes you have that option sometimes you don't it just depends on every every unique situation well pascal you're a freelancer now who jumps from job to job do you feel comfortable paying subscription for your software not necessarily knowing what your cash flow situation is or you know if you're going to jump to another job that requires that software no, I'm not. Actually, I, I made a list of what I own here. My only subscription is Adobe, because I have to for my job. I mean, I would go with Affinity, but 
you just need to have that uh, suite if you work with the agencies or with anyone else. And otherwise, I have two softwares on maintenance, which are Synthize and RealFlow. And I stopped the maintenance, so I have RealFlow 2013, I think, and Synthize 2000 something also, which are fine with me. I don't need to upgrade. Or if I get a job that requires a new upgrade, then I can justify the upgrade, but that's all. And otherwise, each time I have the option of going uh, permanent license versus subscription, I went with the permanent license. So that's uh, Substance and uh, Marvelous Designer. So, 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 Ed, let's, let's yeah. talk about algorithmic. Not Ed, uh, uh, Wes. Let's talk about algorithmic. Sorry, Ed. <laughs> Did you have something you want to add? <laughs> Good. Ed, you got your hand. Uh, Wes. So, algorithmic does something a little interesting. It does a a rent to own essentially offer. I, I guess without giving you numbers, is that if if you can't even if you can say it, but does that seem like do people like that? Uh, yes, yeah, so people definitely like it. I mean, I'm not on the the sales. Uh, side of things, but uh, you know, I you know, going to places like GDC and like you know the various conferences, Unite and SIGGRAPH, and when we talk, when I get to talk to customers and and users of the tools, um, and when you tell them how that is, yeah, they always um, they they always seem to really appreciate that. Um, it, it's it's funny because that's you know it's one of the things I say because I'm like, well, it's subscription, and then I it's it's good that I can then you know, say that. And then, you know, you get that first kind of like, oh, you know, people get, oh no, here we come, you know, and then like, but then you go, but, but it's pay to own because you can pay the subscription, but then you will eventually own the software. And if you don't want to pay anymore, you can use that same, it's not going to like, you're not going to stop being able to use the software. So uh, yeah, people, uh, every time I've talked to someone and they hear that, they're, they're pretty blown away by that, 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 that we have that. I that's think that's pretty awesome, and there, there are really, there are really, to me, two types of people who object to, to um, subscriptions. Uh, one is it's going to cost me more, and that's just that's just a pretty straight ahead proposition. I don't want to pay more money. I want to pay as much as I'm paying now. That makes sense. It's a perfectly good, perfectly good reason. The second reason is also it's a perfectly good. good reason, and that's right. And that's and that's the software survivalist. I call them. It's the person who wants come hell or high water to be able to open their files no matter what uh, happens to the company. And that makes sense too. If your subscription, uh, or if your software doesn't work unless a cloud server is working, what happens when that company goes out of business and you know you no longer have that license server or whatever? So those are both perfectly good reasons to not like subscriptions. Um, I happen to think that in my experience, the subscriptions I've used have been really good, and I haven't had any problems with them. And so overall, I'm I'm pretty happy. Um, that said, um, you know, prices do go up, and that is frustrating. And also, if if the cloud's not working, then I'm not working. That's pretty much true these days. Right. So, Let's not forget that. Remember when we all thought maintenance was bullshit? And now yeah. that's like the better option. Remember, we thought like, oh, you want me to prepay a thousand bucks for software that's not out yet. I have no idea what's in it. I have no idea if I even want it. Right. Like, you want me to prepay for it. Otherwise, I incur a And now you're like, just please take my money. <laughs> I just, I don't like where it's heading. I mean, the most yeah. customer friendly is upgrade whenever you want without a penalty upgrade whenever you want with a penalty, which I think is reasonable too. If you skip versions, you get all those features. And maintenance and subscription flip-flop because, you know, like a new user maintenance, subscription can very well be the best thing out there. I, you know, like, and, and also- Yeah, yeah, for so, a new user, it's perfect. Yeah. Right, so, but definitely the balance of power is is shifting towards the companies, I feel. Like, I think the balance of power is going that way. 
But don't you think everything's going to go to sub subscription later? I mean, don't you think computers are on the way out also? Which is, I think, why Apple is you know, dismissing their own. Soon you'll be renting your computer. You won't even have a computer. Just have an interface on your desk, and you go work online. I think that's a good point, Pascal. I think that's interesting, like what you just said, because yeah, it, it does seem that way. You know, it seems that way for everything. Like, you know, somehow I keep reading these articles, you know, you hear Windows as a service and that kind of stuff. I mean, how long is it before your operating system itself, you're paying a monthly fee, you know, it's to utility. use the operating it's like system? It's like electricity. You're just going to be paying for that. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's And, and it's like we do it. I, I don't know how <laughs> to. They'd yeah. be like cable providers, basically, huh? Yeah, is that I what we're going to be doing? Oh, God. I don't no. want to have another. <laughs> You know, it's Qualcomm is not, what's it, what, what's the one, Comcast yeah. is not another company I want more of. Yeah, exactly. Cable. Well, yeah. I just went to, I, I just went to the Apple store yesterday, actually, but I just happened to be at the mall and I walked in and they completely redone it. Um, there were about three iMacs on one corner of the room and that was the only, oh, and one table of laptops, one table. The whole rest of the floor space was all phones and tablets. Um, and so, and, wa and watches. <laughs> yeah, and watches. Yeah. There was there were no there were no Mac Pros, three iMacs, and a, and a handful of there uh, cell phone of laptops. They're all all phones. And yeah. and also just another random. I want to ask you guys. I walked in there and they had what must have been a twenty foot wide, um, probably two to one display, high def, super super high def display, showing these like slow flyovers of major metropolitan areas and. Uh, and little thing graphics popping up. It was gorgeous. It was so stunning. I've never seen a display like that. I want to know where they got it and, and what the resolution was. It was crazy. Yeah, I am disappointed with their laptops, their current ones. I'm trying to. I need. I need a new laptop, and I just cannot justify buying that thing when. Yeah. There is that no stupid speed little thing. display thing. What's the point? The touch no, bar. Uh, I don't. I don't actually. I, the touch bar. I. I personally like to customize stuff. I can see it being beneficial. I don't understand how four years in, I've, I've got five years in, I'm, a, I'm on a 2012 MacBook Pro that could literally do the same performance CPU-wise as that one. I went and I got the Geekbench test done over there and I did it on my machine. And I'm like, really, you want me to pay? It's like, it feels like a subscription model. It feels like I'm just paying you for the same shit again. And you're not even giving me any more additional uh, features. Other than that, it's something I'm not gonna be. You know, it's not vital to me. But I think I, I think they just, they, yeah. It's it's so funny because they call it MacBook Pro. I think it's over. It's not a pro thing at all. Yeah. And I used to think that maybe this was actually I was gonna open up a whole dialogue about this, but I used to think that the whole Apple shift away from pro was maybe I'm not the the pro anymore. Maybe there's a different type of pro they're looking for. And I thought, okay, maybe it's the YouTuber pro, right? But then you go online and you hear all these YouTubers, pros, bitching about the new MacBook Pro saying, like, this is a piece of crap. Like, we can't, we can't do our work on it. And I'm like, huh, have they shifted again to a different pro who just isn't a pro at all? Maybe a pro web surfer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm in the pro web surfer, man. Yeah. Um, pro, pro Facebook, pro Instagrammer. You know, anyway. Um, I, I don't know if we have time to do anything, but there was an interesting point I wanted to get up. Uh, one of the uh, Kevin Ketchum, who's um, he's actually a creative specialist at uh, the Foundry, had had posed a question regarding photogrammetry. Um, mm. Were your guys' thoughts on it? And I have some thoughts on it. Uh, it'll be great if somebody, if any, if you have any thoughts on 
Well, I, so I'm not gonna hog the mic anymore. Just my point of this, I almost brought. <laughs> Feels like a butt. Feels like a butt is coming no. on. <laughs> another, another you will another. listen to me rant. Oh no! Like uh, uh, <laughs> I almost brought this up earlier. We we're talking about Moto and the um, uh, as a pipeline tool, and one of the one of the fertile areas I think for expansion is photogrammetry. So that's, that's I, sounds like they're feeling that out. So somebody else take that. Ed, what do you think about photogrammetry? Wait a minute. What no. did you just say? Who's, who's filling out photogrammetry? Greg, you said somebody's. Well, Yasin said somebody from the creative specialist of the foundry just posed the question to the online chat here, right? The live stream chat. Right? Oh, yes. wow. <laughs> so yes. I, this is, here's, here's my thoughts. You guys can correct me wrong. I think photogrammetry is a solid part of the future of modeling assets. I just think ultimately it's going to be one of the main ways that you're going to obtain 3D assets. But I think today the software and the work required is still so much. It's not that easy. You, a lot of cleanup, a lot of setup. Um, I think there's something's got to give before this becomes more mainstream in the 3D community. I think but it's it great. Will. I think the it's assets look beautiful. Happen. Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm just saying it's not there today. Yeah. What takes more time, the actual uh, acquisition of the images, the taking the pictures, or the cleanup? Uh, I think the clean – I think just – the processing of the data is the most time-consuming uh, aspect of it. It's, so you have to take all the images, put them in a... In, in a uh, I mean, the thing is, you put them in this software, and then you get a, create a, a point cloud, then you mesh that point cloud, then you clean up in ZBrush or some other sculpting tool, and then you, may, you fix it, export it, publish it. The point is, you have to do all these steps, and there's all these, as anybody that has used 3D software, there's all these little nuances. Oh, you have to remember to do this and this and this before mm -hmm. you export this and this and this. When you're capturing it, make sure that you do A, B, C, D. You've got a whole list of things. It's not, it's just not something that's easy to do or easy to process at this point in time. But the results are stunning if you know what you're doing. Now, this isn't specifically uh, photogrammetry, uh, but because it's not single cam camera photogrammetry, and uh, but there's that new Artec Leo. Uh, which is by the company Artec. It's like a, I think it's laser scanning, and they're using a new like uh, a new, jeez, uh, it's not, it's an Nvidia chip inside for, uh, it's like a custom chip. It's like twenty five grand, but uh, I think it, it does a lot for you. You can actually preview the model as you're scanning around it. Uh, it's like one little handheld device. It's pretty cool. So Yazin, you recently completed a project that did involve a lot of laser scanning, correct? And that was worth the time and effort. Would you say? Uh, yeah, I mean, for what we were trying to do, again, it depends on everything, but I, I don't know if I can argue, had I gotten a really good artist to do the work, whether it would have been the same or not, or better quality. I don't know. I, I, it'd be a good comparison to do at some point, actually. So photogrammetry definitely going to be here, just not here yet, but maybe it's something that... It, it will really... replace, it will replace, I mean, let's be honest, it will replace most modeling. I just fundamentally think, why would you, if this object is here, I need it in 3D, you just do it. Yeah, get it photogrammetry uh, done and get it. Why would I need somebody to model it? I would, unfortunately, you know, modeling, I think as a job will shift to something else. I don't know what that thing is, but I do think photogrammetry is going to take away a good portion of that. So Google has some technology called product uh, Project Tango. Go ahead. Go ahead, Wes. Oh, I'm sorry, Greg. Um, yeah, I think it depends on like what you're saying there, Yazan. Like, uh, I, I see that point, but I think it depends on really what the usage of the model may be as well. I mean, because um, I don't know. I think that there will always be a need for modelers and people who can create, you know, uh, proper topology. I mean, think about for animation, definitely. Well, 
real time. So I, I, I agree with, with a portion of what you're saying. I agree that there was always, there's always going to be a need for a, a modeler to look at assets, especially if it's original content, something that isn't available. I do think that retopology and things, I, think, I do think that that will actually go away. I do fundamentally believe that proper retopology will either get resolved as the software will solve that problem, or you just will not care about polygons anymore. Um, I don't know which was which is going to come first, but I fundamentally think that's going to go away. But for original content, I yes, I agree with you. Somebody will have to model new content that doesn't exist in the world, whether it's a character or a prop or a new design. I mean, this thing exists, right? If you want something brand new, it doesn't, and somebody has to model that. Modelers will always be needed in the same way that that workers will always be needed in car factories. You know. Um, that there will always, they'll always 50, be there, but they yeah, just might be babysitting machines. Rather yeah, you than, might not need 50 million yeah. of them, but you'll, you'll need some of them. Yeah. So, so let's break down photogrammetry. Let's not call it photogrammetry. Let's call it acquisition and cleanup. Because if you look at like if Google, uh, Google, Google, Google's Project Tango, where I think you're using a depth sensor on a phone to uh, scan, and similar to its hand laser scanner, just you know, get geometry in that way. So whether it's laser scanner, uh, a depth sensor, like like even like an Xbox type de depth sensor with better resolution, uh, or a bunch of photographs from different angles, there's that's acquisition. And so you're getting that's that you're getting that data in somehow, but it's all going through the more laborious, like Yasin said, cleanup phase that takes more time. So Foundry, yes, if you're looking at exploring this, then I think you have to get something in the hands of artists, even if it sucks, to have us plow through it and start to find the best way to make this work. So yeah, if you're looking at this as an option, as another content creation tool, another part of Moto or something like that, yeah, get it, get it in our hands and we'll figure out the I best mean, way. The cleanup process is the dark room, right? Like if you if you think of old photography, like the cleanup, pro the, the, the acquisition process is using the camera and the cleanup process is the dark room. We don't have dark rooms anymore. We don't need them. Um, and right. the same is true. Same will be true here. We'll have an acquisition process that'll be much more fluid and organic and in the moment. You'll you'll be able to essentially take photos of the world, and the cleanup process will be pretty much automatic. And that'll use AI. I mean, it's not going to happen with a program. It's going to be deep intelligence that's going to work out what different objects are in a scene and figure out how the topology needs to be to you know to be perfect and everything. Um, but I mean, this we're talking about. We're not talking about in the next five years. Yeah. But, yeah. But, so, so there's definitely, I think, something until we get to that point. Yes, I think there's a lot of people who would be happy to be paid to retopo uh, that saber tooth skull in the background there, um, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, I would right now. Uh, there's one in uh, I, like Autodesk. Like I has uh, actually has some nice stuff you can download for free. Like I think it's one, two, three. Or there's a couple other photo uh, point cloud. Uh, they retired one, two, three. Yeah, they could. Oh, they retired one, two, three. What's the new they one? Were, they sorry. were too valuable. Pascal, what's the, what's the new one? I, I don't know what the new one is. Uh, I could find out real quick here. Um, but I, th I do think there's an opportunity right now. I mean, this is not going to happen. This is not going to go away now. And there's an opportunity for software makers to make some money streamlining that process because we're going to need a lot of it. I mean, if we're building a lot of AR, VR stuff, this is gonna. I mean, this is gonna be one of those things that could make a lot of sense. I mean, you you still need assets in three D. They don't necessarily all have to be original and new. A lot of them exist in the world, but they have to be done in three D. I can't wait for the day where you Google search instead of images and videos, you Google search asset three D assets, and and they're all there, and you can download stuff. It's gonna happen. It's just yeah. not today. Yeah, I, I agree with Yazan that that that's definitely gonna be like we talked about earlier, where where you have all these big companies that you know Facebook, Microsoft, and what they're 
it, it all goes back to this this future innovation, this big wave that everybody's trying to ride uh, ride as the next big thing, which is going to be you know 3D you know everywhere. And I think that, like you said, you'll you'll there'll be a day when that's what we're doing. You know, we're not we're not googling like photos of stuff. We're googleizing you know googling you know full 3D assets and stuff yeah. that we can you know look right there as on a hologram or in our VR worlds while we work and stuff like that. So yeah, that's exciting. I mean, I really think that's going to happen. But you can't really scan transparent objects, right? Or hollow objects. For or now. Highly, highly specular for objects too. Yeah, for now. The, but I think, I think that's just that's because the, the simple methods we're, we're using. I think as software gets better and starts recognizing that is transparent material and I'm actually suing through it and um, and catching light through it. I, I think I think things will change. I think they'll add additional sensors. There's, you know, this is the decade of adding sensors to everything. Um, I can't imagine our the sensors that are in your phone and in your, um, you know, just stay, staying as normal cameras. I think that you'll have additional information that will be gathered. Um, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I actually have a, a medical client that uh, does eye surgery, but they will 3D scan, you know, through your through your pupil. And get a complete three D model of your lens, and so which is transparent. I mean, so I don't know if it's using a refraction. They're using refraction. Yeah, they right. can calculate from the refraction. So yeah. yeah, that stuff that'll all filter down to us. So so yes, that's good. So tell uh, who is that Yazan from the Foundry who mentioned who? who oh, Kevin. 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 <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Milagro. <laughs> Milagro just said uh, just said how do you model something that doesn't or how do you how do you photograph something that doesn't exist, man? And he's mm -hmm. absolutely right. Of course, of course, there will be modelers for that stuff. Uh, unicorns. So yes. Be there will be modelers for unicorns and 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 creatures, but they'll be modeling high poly. Is my point? They'll they'll be doing like something more similar to ZBrush than to than to Moto in that that nobody's going to be doing spin quads and all that stuff in uh, in a couple of decades. Um, I think all of that stuff will be auto retopology and and pretty much automatic. All right. Well, we have been going for over an hour. Uh, oh, yeah. Do should, yeah. should we call this? I think you just did. I think I just did. All right. So thanks for uh, joining us, uh, Wes, Pascal, for the first time here, Adam and Ed and. Yasin again, so we'll be back. We're doing this once a month. Uh, probably keep up that track unless we see people wanting more. Uh, but yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, visit Pixel Fondue, sign up for our newsletter, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Read my yeah. cat article. Let Teresa know what you think about her letter. Everybody write, everybody write your slanders this week and write Teresa a yeah. really nice note. Those are the two most important things to do. All right. I am signing off. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye.